This is Veterans Voices with Kevin Berger, memories and stories of Minnesota's Korean War veterans. Many of these veterans who served in Korea, the only time they were ever there was in uniform. But in recent years, the government of South Korea has really done a lot of outreach with American veterans and invited them back to see um, kind of how South Korea has progressed. It has become a place of growth and development and prosperity. And uh, the government there takes pride in that. But they also want to extend uh, gratitude to the veterans who served there so many years ago. So I got a chance to chat with Irv Lewandowski. He served in the Marine Corps, and he and his wife went to South Korea. Now, when I asked Irv about his service, he didn't want to talk about it. My name is Irv Lewandowski, and I was in the Marines, and I served with the 1st Marine Division in Korea. And uh, I had a lot of bad memories. 30 below, and, and of course, they even when I was there, didn't have the right equipment or winter clothing, whatever, but that's all past and forgotten. Forgotten? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Try to forget. <laughs> yeah. How long were you in the Marines? Three years. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was very fortunate because I made corporal and sergeant way ahead of time. I made meritorious corporal and meritorious sergeant. If I'd have stayed in, I'd have had more rank. But you know, when you when you're 20 years old, you're you ain't thinking about staying in service. You're thinking about girls and cars. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the young man who wound up going to, to Korea. Where were you born, and what was your life like uh, prior to your service? Okay. Well, I was uh, born in. Uh, October 17, 1933, on a real small farm near Gilman, Minnesota. There's a church and a few gas stations. But we on the farm, we didn't have no electricity, an outdoor bathroom, and everything was hard. Even what we didn't have no tractor, not in them days. We had four horses, and everything was done by horses. How did you wind up in the Marines? I t- oh, this is, yeah. You know, my, my twitter brother and I were so identical. Our voices, it's just amazing. My dad could never, never tell us apart. And when we did something wrong, he'd say, okay, which one of you did this? <laughs> we'd look at each other and said, us did it. So that guy kind of took care of that. And, and when the Korean War broke out, of course, then was our golden opportunity, I guess you might say, to split. But my dad couldn't tell us apart, so I joined the Marine Corps, and my twin brother joined the Army paratroopers. Irv is involved with, I think, five different veterans organizations. He'll tell you about what he's doing on behalf of veterans. He's involved uh, in with a group that goes to funerals, but his own service, uh, still painful, and, and he's uncomfortable discussing it at, at all. And I think a lot of the reason that a lot of them don't like to talk about it is they were young. It was very impressionable because 
basically, let's face it, war is shooting at somebody else to save your own life, and you're taking someone else's, you know. And that's got to be hard. I can't imagine that. Has he talked to you about it? Not too much. So he was admits he was a little apprehensive about an invitation to return. But he and his wife were invited, and they decided they were going to go. I think he was a little apprehensive about going. Like I said before, a lot of our friends had gone and said how good it was, but he's, nope, I'm not going, I'm not going. And all of a sudden, he comes out of a meeting one day and says, we're going to Korea. And I, oh, oh, my, what? <laughs> okay, I'll start packing, you know. But I came, out of, I came out of the meeting, I told my wife, Carol, we're going on a revisit to Korea. And she couldn't believe it. Once we got there, and they, all of them, including him, saw how much the, the country has prospered and how nice it is, how welcoming the people were. Um, I mean, they treated us like royalty. And what was it like to be there at a time when you know, there wasn't a war going on. It was like day and night. The buildings they have and the way they dress every day, they dress nice, what they accomplished, oh my God, you can't believe it. There were banquets and dinners and tours and a fine hotel, and they were really felt like the red carpet was rolled out to them. But more than that, they really felt as though uh, they were being thanked, and that American troops really helped create the society that uh, now lives uh, with peace and prosperity in South Korea today. Uh, we were there for five days, and they had us going from morning to night, all, all the banquets and, and the tourists, everything was all free. And we were just amazing, and we enjoyed it. And Irv is very proud because he is a trim man, and he could wear his uniform. So he wore his Marine uniform. And not all the guys that were in that group could do that. And, uh, of course, when I went back, I wore my original uniform. Hmm. And my original uniform still fits. And every once in a while, for certain occasions, I wore my original uniform, which is 68 years old. Um, they presented him with uh, medals. That, that he was quite proud of. In addition to some of the ceremonial, uh, kind of the dignitaries that were there, they also got a chance to get out uh, among the people, visit uh, kind of on the street average people who also expressed appreciation. And the day that we left, we knew we'd be on the plane for like 15 hours, so we went for a walk in the park before we left. And there were some school children there, and they just could not smile and greet us enough and bow, and they were so thrilled to think that they could speak English to somebody that, you know, and, and very appreciative. So it, it was a wonderful experience. I'm glad we went. Tell me about the closure. What was it that you were seeking, and, and how, did that, how did you achieve that? Well, you, you know... When, when, when I was over there, they, they showed us on tours the, like the, the, the cemeteries and uh, how, how, how they had their cemeteries and ours and it was so, so familiar. That was another closure for me. They were 
concerned about their their soldiers that passed away also. Irv Lewandowski, one of his volunteer duties is to call everybody and let them know when there's a funeral. And there are just fewer people to call now. The call list is is smaller, and the number of people um, who are well enough to attend is smaller, too. Irv, who does not talk about what happened, what he saw, what he witnessed, he he is just steadfastly refuses to talk about it. He's a he's a very talkative, chatty fellow, but not when it comes to his service. And yet, somehow, something about being back there helped, as he said, it helped with closure. Irv and his wife live in Coon Rapids, and they're military parents. One of their sons served uh, 23 years in the military. They're very proud of that. His brother is uh, still living and uh, on the farm still. As far as I know, as far as I've seen, we were well treated when we came home, and we were extremely well treated when we went back to Korea. Another Minnesota veteran who uh, got to take advantage of a trip sponsored by the government of South Korea is Paul Overgaard of Albert Lee. He and his wife, Jan, were invited to visit. It was in 2013, and that happens to be the 60th anniversary of the signing of the armistice they in the Korean conflict. Most of my airfare over there, half of my wife's, and 100% of our five-star hotels stay for five days. And they have been just, and they were just welcoming and uh, so thankful. that. Uh, Why do you think they're so appreciative? Well, I think they realize how much better they have it than their North Korea brethren. On our return to, to Korea, we, we made the inevitable shopping stop, mm-hmm. and uh, we went out on the street and were, were just watching what was going on, and across the, across the street was a sidewalk kiosk, and a guy was tap, tap, tapping over there, so we went over there to see what was going on. It was a guy making jewelry from, I don't know, scrap metal or whatever. But he spoke good English, and he told us about his experience. He had he had been in school, I think in Seoul, and when the North Koreans came in, they took all the boys, the high school boys, north, and, and they were going to force them to be a part of the North Korean army. He and his friend escaped, and they caught his friend and hung him. But uh, he escaped and s- settled in, in South Korea, and he was expressing himself, his gratefulness for, for that. But even the high school children were grateful. Someplace I have a picture, a satellite picture of Korea. The North is black. At night, a few lights where Pyongyang is. But South Korea is just littered with, with bright lights. I, th- I think their, their per capita income was some, something like $300, or just an incredibly lo- low figure. And now it's about 33000 They are They are in every way a modern country. 
they're 13th, I think, on the on the list of of countries the the, the national income. Overgaard was very impressed with the hospitality of the people, and also I think felt a personal sense of of of, of uh, accomplishment when he saw the progress, uh, the way the that country has developed. It was really peasants and and uh, a subsistence living, and now big cities, industry, and many of the people there in South Korea really thank the Americans and their involvement there for, for laying the groundwork that has allowed them to have that kind of a society Was that gratifying today. for you to see? I mean, that was part of the point, I guess. It was, it was very gratifying because we thought our mission was warranted. But to have them now, 70 years later, many of the people only knew the freedom uh, they were younger than that. They obviously had been told by their parents about this experience. And, and I, I recall seeing the caravans of, of people going south when the Chinese came in. They, were, they didn't want to stay, and, and these were North Korean uh, citizens. So, and in addition to that, there were several thousand evacuated by ship when the Chinese first came in. So, the uh, it, it, overall, uh, I think it was a it was an action that may have saved a lot of future uh, problems. So do you think that uh, Korean War veterans have, you know, gotten their due, had the recognition that they've deserved? I think so. I, I can only speak really for myself, but uh, I, have not, I was not ever treated badly. These are Americans who, in many cases, were born in the Great Depression. They were kids during World War II. And then just when the world was going to be at peace, no, then they were pulled into another war. Several of the veterans that I spoke with said that taps is the song you don't want to hear because you know you're saying goodbye. There are uh, several groups that get together for funerals, but it's a smaller group all the time. Irv Lewandowski, one of his volunteer duties is to call everybody and let them know when there's a funeral. And there are just fewer people to call now. The call list is, is smaller, and the number of people um, who are well enough to attend is smaller, too. Nobody keeps track of how many Korean War veterans are alive today, but the, they do say the average age is 86. And so um, for me, th that's about the age of my parents. And so as I visit with these people and talk to them, just, just something about their mannerisms, the way they were raised, the, the values they grew up with, feel very familiar to me. 
And I, I think that is, I so enjoyed meeting these people. Veterans Voices Korea is produced by Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund online at minnesotavets.org.